So we're we're a Christian um, group of guys, and we're all followers of Christ. And I do want to talk a little bit about this. And I look up, and he's trying to put the camera on, and I go, "72." My strategy was totally different. I he scouted these areas, and I knew the terrain features I wanted to hunt. I think that I would rather use a scrape line because I imagine that there's more bucks hitting a scrape line because the line's longer. <laughs> <laughs> and actually lay eyes on the property first and then start you know, doing my e-scouting whenever I actually knew what it was that I was looking at. I think our deer at home have bigger ranges than we want to admit. Just I, because of the more pressure. I 100% agree. Brad it up, Kevy. Send us home, baby. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 36. Um, this is on our partnership series with Trophy Line. Um, on this episode, we were able to speak with Nick and Robert um, as they go over some of the new products that Trophy Line has dropped. Um, those of you that don't know, Trophy Line is a saddle company, but they're also much more than just a saddle company. They have saddles, platforms, ropes, packs, um, pouches for the saddles, you name it. They have a little bit of everything. Um, Ropemans, it's very cool. Lots of merch. Um, so if you're in the market for a saddle um, or you have some questions about a saddle, they give out the information where you can contact them to ask questions. Um, also, head over to trophyline.com. Um, the link will be down below, and you can shop their inventory and see what they have. They have absolutely the best um, shipping services. They get it out same day, and it's to your door in a very short amount of time. So go check them out, and well, let's get into the episode. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Born Again Bowhunting Podcast. On this week for the partnership series, we have Trophy Line. We have Nick Betts and Robert Kennedy on with us. So how's it going tonight, guys? Doing pretty good. Good. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having us. Absolutely. So uh, before we get into it, we'll hit them with our icebreaker yeah, questions like we it. normally let's do. do. So first one being, um, during hunting season, what is your go-to like drink, energy drink, water, coffee, pop? You name it. I'm still waiting for somebody to say milk, so we haven't had that one yet. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Nick, yeah, you go first, and we'll go with Robert next. Sure. Uh, for me, it's just black coffee, man. Um, that's just, that's all I really need. Works for me. Yeah, Nick, you're more of a man than I am. I, I like my Monster <laughs> Energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Which one's your favorite? Uh, this is the as ultra fiesta mango. As he pulls <laughs> out of there. Yeah. Here you yeah. go, boys. This this one right here. <laughs> um, question number yeah. two. <clears throat> what kind of trail cameras are you guys running this year? Your favorite trail camera. Your favorite. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if any of them are my favorite. They all seem to give me issues. Um, <laughs> but I think right now I'm actually running a lot of the Fusion X's. Um on land that i trust if i'm on public uh or something that's kind of sketchy i'm going with the uh, cheapos from walmart yeah. and uh, the task something i'm not going to mind getting exactly yeah. something i'm not going to mind getting taken yep. yeah 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 uh, bushnells have treated me really well for a long time but i started dabbling with some of the amazon cameras and the whoa sports amazon cameras done great for Dude, me i so told I'm you guys What's that? I, I tell these, they all just looked at me. I just recently bought a bunch of Amazon cameras, like the end of yeah. season. Dude, ph yep. phenomenal cameras. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like it's four batteries and it lasted all season yep. out there. So wow. that's my public land camera for sure. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. 
That's Sweet. Awesome. Yep. And then the final question is, what is your current bow that you're shooting this year? Or last year, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, shooting the PSE Evo Evil 32. It's pretty and I'm as well. Yeah, I'm shooting the Fortis 33. We just got that a couple weeks ago. Sweet. So cool. far, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah. All right, let's well, dive into this yeah, thing. Let's get into it a little bit. Okay, yeah. So as we've already said, we've got Trophy Line, guys from Trophy Line with us, and we are super excited about this. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, each of you introduce yourselves. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, role, family, role at Trophy role Line. At Trophy Line, all that. Yep. Sure. Uh, I'm Nick Betts. I'm the Director of Operations and product manager here at trophy line i kind of handle uh, all the day-to-day order processing this and that and also all the way down to product design you know product development you know handling stuff with vendors this uh, all that kind of stuff so cool yeah and i'm i'm uh the newly hired field producer since basically january and uh my job is to as sean would say make everybody look pretty but i think i feel like i bring the entertainment and the good looks along with it too for, for sure yeah. the good looks for sure well we have a we have a type if you can see you know we got the beard <laughs> it works yeah uh, before before you got on uh nick we uh i just looked up at the screen and like i was getting all everything set up and i just said oh we gotta wait on uh we gotta wait on robert yet because I just seen the beard and I just assumed, and then Robert's like, uh, Robert's here, and I'm, and then I looked it's up not, and I'm like, first time, it's uncanny. We've been at you know a couple different trade shows now, and, and people have asked if we're brothers or related. Um, we've almost accidentally matched at pretty much every mm-hmm. event we've been at, and in fact, I almost wore a plaid <laughs> shirt tonight, so I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> Dude, I wish you guys would have made for better content. That's awesome. <laughs> It would have been uh, <laughs> true to form for us, I'd say. Sweet. Um, yeah, so you guys, you guys introduced yourselves as like Trophy Line. Why don't you guys give us like a brief, you know, a couple sentences about maybe your personal life or whatever you want to share? Sure. Uh, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh, Western Pennsylvania, and um, went to Penn State for mechanical engineering, uh, and I was in that field for a long time. And um, and we'll get to it more later in the podcast, but I'm just happy to be able to take that knowledge and put it into use here in the outdoor industry. Cause I really, I was doing this stuff anyhow, you know, lunch breaks on the side yeah. and I'm just happy to now be able to do it, you know, as my job. Um, as far as hunting wise, I mean, I've been hunting since I was 12 as early as I could hunt here in Pennsylvania. And, um, did a lot of, obviously with my, with my dad started with a rifle and the second I could use a bow, that's what I've been using. So, you know, my plan every year is, uh, to fill every tag I can with a bow and never touch a rifle doesn't always work out that way, yeah, but that's yeah. the goal. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and I'm I'm born and raised in Michigan, and similar to Nick, like started hunting as early as I could. You know, small game as a child, and then my first deer when I was 12, and I usually have a leg up on a lot of people because my first deer it was the first little four point, but I shot it with a recurve at three yards and like Dude, that got no. me hooked with my dad you <laughs> at know at 12 years old you said 12 12 years old wow, yep. that's awesome yep. that's it was sweet great. yeah mm-hmm. that that's the only deer i shot with a recurve i hate myself for it today i like need to get back into it but you know that it still got me hooked into just like the all-around aspect of woodsmanship and just obsessed with anything outside mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome that's awesome especially at 12 years old that's yeah, that's awesome <laughs> Hold on. I'm a little disappointed with myself. Uh, oh, he's got it. <laughs> yeah, right there. Oh, there, there, there we go. go. That's a good one. <laughs> That's cool. Wow. That's Beautiful. awesome. 
Dude, that's an awesome yeah. first bump. Yeah. Especially with a mm-hmm. recurve. Yeah, that's man. insane. <laughs> congrats. Congrats. That's Thanks. a cool story. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's let's uh yeah, let's yeah, continue but, on. Uh so why don't we talk a little bit about how Trophy Line got started? And um for most of our listeners, maybe they would think that Trophy Line's more of a newer company, but I know Trophy Line's been been around for a while, and and then kind of in the last, you know, let's say I, I don't correct me if I'm wrong. The last five six years, excuse me, five or six years, you guys have really reamped everything, kind of restarted the brand. Why don't we talk a little bit about that, and then you guys just yeah, just go wherever you want with with that. Sure, um, kind of Trophy Line's history is essentially Stava Hunting's history, so. Uh, the initial founders of Trophy Line, the brand, was the the Green family. And James Green invented the saddle in 1961, and they started bringing it to market in 1962. And they ran it as the Green saddle on various different um, you know materials and different uh, designs for a long time. And then in 1998, they founded Trophy Line, uh, Trophy Line tree saddles to be specific, and they ran that for about 10 years. And 2008, uh, for some personal reasons, the Green family decided to step out of that space. Um, and then in 2018, uh, Sean Ferguson, who was the initial guy who, who got the ball rolling to revamp Trophy Line, you know, he was friends with the Green, saddle hunted for decades, and you know, wanted to have a discussion with them saying, hey, there's really been this revival in this type of hunting. We want to be able to bring this brand back and do a lot of wonderful things with it so with their blessing you know we we started that brand out and again it was really just sean at the beginning of it and then you know we kind of just built the team from there that's awesome it's cool yeah awesome. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how far back the saddle game kind of started they a lot of people think it's fairly recent yeah um but yeah i mean saddle been... hunting it was the initial mobile hunting i mean outside yeah. of you know still hunting and you know being on the ground you know, if you're talking mobile hunting, you know, lightweight and getting up in a tree at any means you can, saddle hunting was the beginning. And it, you're right, you know, it's, it, people don't really understand it because saddles are kind of difficult to teach people how to use unless you're at a trade show. Well, now that the, all the Internet's around and YouTube and all this, it's really been such this revival of it. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been great to see, you know, especially the guys, you know, you see all these guys that have been around for maybe a decade now. You know, we were piecing together saddles in kind of a little bit of sketchy ways, but we're trying to get out there and use those things or using old trophy line saddles, you know, in you know, 2015, I think is when I started. Um, and 2014 maybe, and I'm using an old, I was using an old trophy line saddle and then, you know, arrow hunter had a saddle at the time and, or a fit drag, all that stuff. So, yeah. um, it started a long time ago and some of those fellows are still using green saddles. They're still using it. You wow. can see their, um, the leather one specifically, you can see their uh, their butt cheeks formed into the back of that leather saddle. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, quick quick story. Actually, my first saddle, like before, this was probably oh, had to have been five six years ago, easy. Before like the before the craze of saddles, mm-hmm. like this was before even the craze. Me and Stevie, actually, one of my buddies. We we bought sit drags from Amazon and just like pieced together stuff, uh, and that was that was our first saddle because like at the time you know like before the craze like nobody really knew anything and it was just starting to like pop around and we're like man we were we were mobile hunters but we were toting around you know sixty like a, pounds yeah. of a climber and like you know mm-hmm. and then the sixty pounds of a hang on and all the sticks and we're like man well, let's go with a saddle 
and like we fell in love with the sit drag the first year and then actually trophy line was the first saddle that we bought with our, you know we bought with our own money and we we're like hey we want to try this and uh haven't looked back since so yeah 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 we we greatly appreciate it um i appreciate it as well yeah yeah um you got you got, let me see let's look at our notes real quick so um why don't we talk about the employees at trophy line and you said that sean kind of started it yep. and so sean sean was the initial guy who kind of got the ball rolling with this you know rebrand and revamp of trophy line um and then we we ended up hiring um our main customer service manager marion and then i was actually the third employee hired and, and in fact you know sean was really trying to build the brand with a group of dedicated ambassadors. Now we had a very small group of ambassadors. When I say small, I mean 10 to start. And basically we were going with guys that were on saddle hunter forum, uh, friends that we had known, you know, just through saddle hunting for a long time. I didn't even know Sean I actually ran into him here in Pittsburgh at a full draw film tour. And I walked by him and he was wearing a trophy line hat and I'd been keeping up with on the forums and everything. And I saw the brand kind of starting to come out there. I said, Hey, where, where'd you get that? And a, in a true to form, Sean Ferguson line, he goes, well, I know a guy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, that's just him. If you know him, yeah. that's him. Yeah. And so I got to talk with him. I said, Hey, you know, I've been doing this for a long time now and I just kind of want to get in. And it brought me on the ambassador team and we got to talking about skill sets and all this other stuff. And, you know, we wanted to involve more of a, um, engineering baseline in some of these designs, whether it's backpacks or vinyl harnesses or platforms, whatever it is, he wanted to be able to pull somebody in. And I just so happened to be passionate about it. And I just so happened to be local. So it worked out, you know, perfect, uh, right place, right time, basically. And we've basically grown our team through that ambassador base as best we can, because we already know these guys know the product. We already know they're passionate and it's really helped. And in fact, that's where we got Robert from. You know, he was an ambassador for us for a long time and we see the talent, we see the passion and that's what we want to bring in instead of just bringing in somebody from who may happen to be in the outdoor industry in a different space or whatever. And just because they're in the industry, we don't want to just bring them in. We want people who truly deeply care about mobile hunting and want to make an impact on it, um, not just for themselves, but for everybody. Mm -hmm. So right now we're, we got, we went from one guy, Sean, up to uh, 12 people right now. currently. Wow. That's awesome. Wow. That's cool. And you guys are strictly based in North, you have uh, Pittsburgh and then Northeastern Ohio, correct? Or yeah. Not? So we have, well, our team's kind of spread out. You know, Robert there said he was in Michigan. So yep. we're based yep. in Pittsburgh. Uh, most of our team, or say half our team is in Pittsburgh. Uh, Weston, who you guys know, yep. he uh, is down in Indiana on the K- Kentucky border. Uh, we have some people in New York and in Ohio. Yeah. Gotcha. So the, the best part about this industry too, is you don't always have to be in one central location. We're yeah. always going places anyhow, so it's nice to be able to contribute to one company from a multitude of areas across. Yeah, um, that's cool. basically the whole hunting area, you know, the Midwest and all that. It's really nice to have people spread out. Sweet, sweet. Yeah, sweet. That is very cool. Yeah. So, and, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna, if you if you have anything else to say on that, um, and if not, we'll go to our next point. No, unless Robert wants to talk about uh, joining the team, you know, coming from that baseline. I think uh, it, I like think Robert's getting, talking to his oh, kids on the walkie-talkie. 
Oh, he told you about the Lucky yeah, Shot? Yeah. yeah. This, is, this is good podcast content. This gentleman here is working out of his barn. And the kids <laughs> contact him from Milwaukee, and it's just the best thing ever. I, ten, ten bucks says it was dad. How, how long do you put this in the microwave for? <laughs> where's, the, where's the cheese it's at? You know? yeah. She just asked me. She's like, where are you? <laughs> I told you I'm in the barn. <laughs> like 20 minutes ago, I came out here. <laughs> That's awesome. She just noticed 20 yeah. minutes later. She's like, wait yeah. a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. that's awesome. No, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so where were we? I don't even know where we were. <laughs> well, we were, we were closing up talking about the employees you. here, bud. And I was just oh. wanting to know if you wanted to kind of talk about, you know, since I mentioned, you know, bringing people in from the ambassador yeah. base, like how, how that process was for you. I mean, honestly, it was the best way it probably could have went. The funny story about all of it for me was when Sean first brought me on, I told him because I'd been a part of other ambassador teams and stuff. I'm like, I'm not looking to sell my soul because you see people that just bombard yeah. like these forums and everything yeah. else. And it's just kind of off putting. And now here I am three and a half ish years later, I'm like working for him. You know, it's like you find out as an ambassador what the team is like. And then you come up through that process of just getting to know everybody. And then you realize it's like, okay, this is actually a really cool company and really mm -hmm. cool people that work for it. Like I'm, I'm like, still on cloud nine that they gave me this opportunity and it's been three months now i've been running with them you know it's very cool it's yeah. very cool yeah no that That's is awesome. that is cool that is cool the yeah. only thing i was going to add was i think it's cool that you guys have guys from like this part of the midwest and this part and this part like it's all yeah different habitat and stuff and like you can get yeah. different ideas and different hunting styles and stuff i think that's pretty cool and that yeah that's that's certainly important to us too because again you know if we were all based in pennsylvania we'd have a pretty negative view of how whitetail hunting goes so it's <laughs> nice to be able to spread out yeah, yeah michigan's not much better <laughs> I, agreed but you know at least weston gets some nice deer down there in indiana yeah yeah <laughs> oh that's funny yeah so uh let's uh let's talk about trophy line here a second and like what makes Trophy Line the best best place to get your not only saddle gear but just all around mobile hunting gear? Um, what sets you guys apart from all the other people? Well, um, our, our goal has really been to be able to create a place where people can come and get everything they need. You know, yeah. we want to be able to design the products uh, not just to be the best product in that specific space, but be the best product that would work with the rest of our products. Because, you know, it's nice to have the lightest this or the strongest this or the fastest this, but the real struggles that most hunters, especially mobile hunters go through is just the day-to-day -day frustrations of things not working together, right? Mm -hmm. So our goal really is to create a giant lineup of things that work together or make sense together you know you might be able to use the plateau pack let's say for all your whitetail hunting but you can also use it for shed hunting and turkey hunting and all these other things or you know uh we have a sling pack for minimalists and that's also great for fly fishing we're just trying to make sure that people when they spend their money with us they're getting more than a single use out of a product they get multi-use out of everything and it's not forced it's kind of pre-designed in and we spend a lot of time to design our products to do that so the whole idea is to just make a as many products as we can that will reduce the frustrations for people out there in the woods. Cause for, for me personally, if I, if it can go wrong for me, it will. Yeah. So I have to try to design yeah. those problems yeah. out of the products <laughs> I use. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's our whole goal really. And then, you know, we've really tried to push a information and education base on our page too. So if somebody's coming there as a first time mobile hunter or a first time hunter at all, 
they can go to that page or mobile fanatic page and learn about mobile hunting. And then they can use that to say, maybe make an informed decision on what they might want to purchase instead of just seeing what's the most popular item from this particular brand. You know, they're learning how they might want to hunt. And then here's this, you know, catalog of things they could choose from. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. And that's one thing that I love about trophy line is the fact that it's not just a saddle. Like it's a one-stop shop and it truly is, you know, like you got packs, you got platforms, you got, you know, Kongs and, you know, like senders and just rope. And I mean, everything, you know? Yeah. And and I love how the packs work great for everything. It's like they, they're the best for carrying your saddle and your platform and your sticks. And then it's like... We got, we got, we got yeah. a couple of them sitting right here. Oh, boys. yeah. Oh, the old Sumter. Yep. So we we just we just picked this one up and uh, I haven't even got a chance to really run it but I'm really excited so we've gotten a lot of uh, actually really funny photos this shed season of folks taking the sumter out with their kids trying to fill it with <laughs> with sheds and then they end up having to drag the kid out because the kid gets sick <laughs> to walk in so that that specific pack's been pretty helpful for a few parents out there in the woods this year already yeah I'm I need that pack. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for I've been scouting a lot of like big timber public and um in Indiana and in Kentucky. And I I firmly believe that that thing's going to get put to use because yeah. there is no way where we're at there's you can't drag a deer out. There's yeah. no way. Yeah. And you know, I mean I know you guys brought your out west frame packs, you know, but like that right there for the eastern guy? Oh. Like for me? Big time. That dude, I'm going to I'm going to run that thing hard. Yeah. yeah. I'm very yeah, excited. And we had a lot of, and, and the one thing too, to kind of speak back to why it might be a good location for, for everyone really is we, we genuinely listen to our customers and I'm not saying that other brands don't, but we don't want to put our egos in front of what the general consensus is, what people want. So uh, we listen to our customers input. You know, I might design something and people might hate it and I could just push it and push it and push it but that doesn't solve anything. So we want to actually make something that's what people want and solves the problem for people. So people were asking, Hey, I, we didn't want a frame pack. We like the case. We want a frame pack, but we don't want it to be huge. Yeah. So that pack there is specifically designed for things like whitetail, mule deer, you know, pronghorn, things like that. You don't need a, a large pack. You're not mm-hmm. carrying out a, a quarter of an elk at a time. You know, you can fit the whole deer in that backpack yep. and you're gone. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I have. A, I actually have a buddy who lives in Kentucky. I just recently went shed hunting with him, and he has that pack, that frame pack, and he was showing it to me. And like his is all covered in blood and everything. I'm like, how many deer have you packed out with this thing? And he's like, two or three. And he and and I just as soon as like he kind of explained how it all worked, I'm like, man, I got to get me one yeah, of those. Because, I think it's gonna be sweet because personally, like where we're at in northeastern Ohio, we we really don't have to pack anything out. Like it's just it's just where we're at. Honestly, four wheelers is like. <laughs> the go-to yeah deal. seriously like most we're in farm country so like most of the time if the farmer's okay with it you can either drive your pickup truck down a farm lane and drag the deer a couple hundred yards or you can drive a four-wheeler as long as you don't tear up his field you can drive a four-wheeler practically to your deer but now that we're venturing more into like this big timber which i'm falling in love with we need frame packs yeah. to pack out everything you know mm-hmm. and i and think once you do it a couple times it's it's really not that difficult of a process, especially on a whitetail. You don't need multiple people kind of manip- manipulating a, a, the animal like you would on an elk. And uh, I have a very similar background. I grew up in Erie County, so very close to you guys. Yep. So it's the same thing, farm, country, 
And if it is large spaces of wood, it's pretty flat. So it's not that difficult to get something out. Maybe get a deer cart or a, if it's a blizzard, like I've had to drag some through, it's a old uh, sled you, know, you had from when you were a kid. Yeah, uh, I've used the old blue sled with the or- the yellow handles. That thing that we all had as kids, I yeah. used that sled to drag out a few deer before. Really? But yeah. you know, once you start going into things like Allegheny National Forest, um, here in Pennsylvania specifically, those big timber areas, like you're saying, it just doesn't make sense to even try to no, drag it out. No. Uh, it's really not hard to quarter it, and I personally process all my own deer anyhow. Yeah. So I'm already going to cut it up anyway, mm-hmm. so I may as well do it before having to drag the rest of the stuff out too. Yep. Yeah, true that. You know, true that. Get a couple game bags and chuck Just it in there, in there. And yeah. call it good, you know. Yep. Yep, 100%. Getting back to the Trophy Line brand though, like talking from our standpoint on it, what do you guys see that stands out the most talking about the Trophy Line brand? I know I hop on all these forums and it's not – just in bastards, it's normal people all talking about the exact same thing on, you know, talking about how to make things better or, you know, guys from Trophy Line actually taking feedback from their customers. And like, it's like a very family type based, like, uh, not ambassador program, but, you know, guys just using the brand themselves yeah. and talking to each other. I've never seen a company where just normal people are so willing to talk to talk to others and you know you guys taking the feedback from everybody I've never seen anything like that and like another thing that stands out to me is Trophy Line truly puts out quality products like when there's a problem it's addressed right away if there is any it, it's it's unbelievable because a lot of companies don't give any feedback but you know they try to sweep it underneath the rug yeah customer service the customer service is incredible mm-hmm. with yep. you guys yeah that is, you know, customer service is absolutely paramount. Like, it, it's great to have cool content. It's great to have cool products. But it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if your customers aren't happy. If there's any issue at all, we want to make sure that that issue is solved immediately. You know, if somebody wants to call and specifically wants to talk to me, they can call me. And, you know, I might be tying ropes. I might be designing a new saddle or backpack or whatever the heck I'm doing. I'm going to be on the phone talking to them through that process you know when we first got started it was just a few of us you know we were all of us were taking the calls like you don't have enough people to really have someone dedicated to it so you know i was taking calls 7 30 8 o'clock at night i'd be outside grilling you know making dinner talking to people about saddle hunting and you know, kind of trying to share that knowledge and um it's just really important to us to make sure the customer is happy you know so just is what it is and, and it's just important yeah, yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, and I I have a little quick story. Um, so not only is the the products this is funny because we also talked about Premier, another yep. place that we work with. But for you guys, like, I got to meet my wife and I met Sean. This was really before like I was a part of Born Again and really before I knew Trophy Line, like knew everybody and was using their products. But I met Sean, and uh, I mean it was just I was just a nobody, and he just you know took the time showed me everything got to know my wife and I just super nice to us and uh it's like you just don't get that everywhere you don't I mean you go to a trade show and everybody's nice to you because they want they They want want you to to buy the product product. yeah I mean he was just genuinely nice and that was like that's a huge thing when you you know want to go with a company for something is is the genuine thing just niceness of people yeah yeah and i would say that that's a huge thing for trophy line that 
not only from Sean, but from everyone that I've now ended up talking to. It's mm-hmm. like, these are just great dudes that yeah. have that have a great thing in mind and their products are just amazing. You know what, you know, kind of like the leapfrog off of what you said and, you know, Sean's going to get a big head when he listens to this, but, <laughs> but like, you know, one thing that ver- that impressed me the most about Sean was after we've already worked with him and et cetera, we were at ATA this year and you know what the first thing he said to us was, do you remember? He congratulated yeah. you and Hannah. Dude, that's what I'm talking about. On your pregnancy. Yeah. Like you're talking about the owner of a company that has so much on his mind and the first thing he says when we walked up to say hi to him was congratulations yeah. on your pregnancy. I know. I like know. that just shows it you does. it just shows you like what kind of company you're dealing with when you guys you know anybody listening to this you know it, we don't want to make it sound like we're trying to sell you know a product. Obviously do your shopping. We prefer trophy line but like if you want a company that's going to back you and care about you like I can't yeah. say anything more about Trophy Line, you know. You care about your feedback. Like, yeah, that is the biggest thing that stands out to me about you guys is really listening to everybody's feedback on, you know, do's and don'ts and you know stuff they like, don't like, and when then when a product is put out, it is just top of the line. Like got everything you could want or need. Yep. It's just like the personability of the company, like one on one with somebody. It's unbelievable, like how you guys just talk to everyone, really get to know them. I think, yeah, basically, kind of like what Robert, brought you me. To the, no, you're fine. This, like, what brought me to the team and kind of what you guys are talking about is like there's just a lack of ego, and that's really mm-hmm. cool about the whole Absolutely. thing because that when you have so much ego in front of you, like then you don't have that generosity or the that genuine personalities or people that care about each other, and I think that's. That's really what brought me, and I think that's what you guys are seeing too. Yep, yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to touch base on on that subject before we move on? I'm good. I'm just going off a of memory, so correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry. But let's. Why don't we talk about um, some like your top three products? Yeah. That you guys think that you have. Obviously, everything's good, but why don't we talk about like maybe your top three most popular, or maybe just personal preference of what you guys have sure uh I'll, I'll go with our top three you know you know most popular and then i'll go with with my own right so <laughs> our top three uh it's almost gonna have to be four so the covert light just we that's an incredibly popular saddle yeah. so yeah. um it's the whole in, intent about that saddle is just to make it a comfortable bomb proof and affordable so that's been accepted really really well with our customers within the industry. And we're really proud of that product. Uh, next would be the case backpack. That was something that we came out with the initial design and initially it still did really well, but there were things that people wanted to update like the liner and some of the other zipper pulls and things like that. And we jumped on that immediately. And because we did that, the community responded incredibly. We came in with the, a, batch of the new version of that covert or the case 2.0 we sold out of that batch in a couple hours That's because awesome. everyone was so happy That's with the that. fact that we listened <laughs> i was trying to order did, <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, on our side it was it was very um humbling and rewarding from like a a, a different sense i can't know if i can really explain because like you know having that response from a community is just so important to us. And again, that's why we listen. So past the case, it's kind of a tie right now between the mission and the EDP, you know, um, people have the preferences there and they 
kind of sell on par with each other right now. Um, so those three pro those three or four products are really our top most popular products. Um, but my personal favorites are the plateau pack, uh, the Onyx platform and each. What am I going to pick for the third here? I'm going to go with the Venatic right now. Cause I, that's just that saddle really, when we came, when we finalized that design, that Venatic saddle just, it hugs you. You almost forget it's there. So those yeah. three are pretty, are my top. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about that Venatic yeah. saddle. Like I'm really excited to hunt out of that. Cause I didn't have a chance to hunt out of it this year. I was still running the covert light, but next year definitely going to be running and going to upgrade the saddle. And we actually got one right here. <laughs> so we're going to up, we're going to, we're all going to update our equipment and run and run that. I think that saddle is going to be killer. I think that saddle is yeah. going to be a dime piece. Just from hanging that in from ATA was sweet. I mean, get to try it on and stuff. It was awesome yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i like the sound of like how it hugs you like because i got a dump truck back there and i, and I need some extra you know <laughs> some extra padding yeah, back there. Yeah, for sure <laughs> yeah and we actually when we debuted that at the pennsylvania tack this year um it the response was almost exactly what i had hoped was that it almost it disappears around you so we're really really happy with that saddle design so yeah it's got to be in my top three for sure yeah yeah, okay, Robert, give us a couple of your Give us the lowdown. It's really not going to be too much different than Nick, but like the Venatic and the new platform, the Onyx, are easily the, the top two pieces. But then like where it's a little different, I would have said the Plateau for the pack in the past. It's still maybe just because of how it vents in the back, and I'm a bigger guy and I sweat a lot, so that's really nice. <laughs> but really that new, um, the Palisade, that foam I, I, what's the special foam what's it called nick the eva you should foam. know yeah eva foam thank you see i'm just the entertainment <laughs> the, <laughs> just the good looks he's like being like you know the camera and all that stuff i don't want to collapse in and right. it just carries really well and it's it's great for me yeah yeah, yeah dude yeah. we were actually talking about that just before this and i was like yeah, i think we i think we got i think i we, need I need that because I just oh. feel like my cameras are getting just crunched <laughs> every time I strap yeah. everything on. Yeah, so we, I think yeah. we got one right here. Yeah, yeah, dude, that yeah. is killer. Yeah. And that's, a, again, that's another thing where people said, hey, what can you do for someone who self-films or films for other people? And we wanted to make a pack that just protected the gear. It's really simple, but it also has all, right. all the organization outside of the pack. Mm -hmm. so you don't ever have to open it unless you're getting that crucial stuff that's inside. Um, and then that whole front zipper pocket that's on the face there, if you don't want to open it from the top, if maybe Once if you, you keep your camera gear in the bottom, small. you can just open it from the bottom and dig in through there versus having to go yeah. all the way there, through this it. one right here. Right here. Yep. Yeah. So Robert actually gave me, a good idea as an ambassador he keeps a lot of his camera gear in a separate bag in his bag so mm -hmm. when we were doing that i was like well we need to be able to give him access to that bag without having to take everything out on top of it but still protect it so again it's just listening to what people want or maybe what people might need to reduce the frustrations like you said you're you once you cinch everything down it's crushing all your gear you're worried about yeah. your lenses you're worried yeah. about your microphone all that stuff and it's just simple to just make it that way and and save people's save people's gear and we we're able to design it so it actually carried well you didn't need a waist belt and kind of save some weight there so yeah um, so i'm really happy with that product as well i was super excited as soon as i seen it i was like i got dibs on that thing and that is so mine <laughs> just the way it sets up because 
I carry everything. Like I always bring extra everything because I'm the guy. If it's gonna go wrong, it's gonna go wrong every time for me. And just the way the pack sets up, it's unbelievable. I was so excited because I'm so hard on my gear. As soon as I start stuffing cameras in there, I'm breaking stuff all the time. Yep. At least yep. maybe this way it'll save me a few bucks when I'm breaking <laughs> stuff this year <laughs> when I'm shoving my bag so. on a quick. We'll see. <laughs> it's treated me well. That's all, all I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Yeah, we're definitely excited. Yeah, we've got some. And I think I think kind of to touch base on that, I think I love the idea that you guys are also like catering the self-filmers and like the, you know, like the YouTubers and stuff yeah. like that. You know what I mean? Because I do really think that there's a market for that, you know? And like, you know, it's just, it, it didn't click until you mentioned that with the pack. They're like, oh, we designed it so, you know, you so, you know, Robert could get his cameras out of there. And it's like, you know, now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's cool to me I mean, that you guys. Kinda, yeah. Ahead. And I mean, that's just similar thing to just saddle hunting in general. If you're looking to do something along the lines of self-filming or filming for somebody else, saddles are a really nice way to do it because yep. it's light and you can get behind the person. So you're not in the way of them and everything mm -hmm. else to go along with that. Yep. It, it really is a good way to look at it that way. Yep. Yep. And we, we do most, I'd say we do like 95% of our hunting out of a saddle. If not, I do. If not, if not, more. yeah. I have like one or two trusted like permanent stands that like are on some old, you know, family friends property that just always produce. But like anytime we go out of state or honestly, like 90% of the time, 95% of the time when I'm hunting private land in Ohio, I'm bouncing between tree to tree to tree on that saddle. So, yep. and that's, I was thinking of that the other day. I was like, I don't know if I could do it anymore going out of state and not taking my saddle. It'd be impossible. I mean, I can't imagine. We're too spoiled. I, we, we are, are. too spoiled. <laughs> that is the truth. Dude, the first year we went to Kentucky, we packed those like, I'm not going to say a brand, but you know, we like packed. A hang on? We packed like a cheaper like hang on and like all the I sticks. I the one you're talking about. Yeah. probably did the same thing years before that. Yep. Yep. They kind of came out. Not exactly out. a mobile designed hang on. It's yep. just a affordable. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah very about. affordable. And when they first came out, like that's kind of what they were. And they came with these like. They came with these like uh, small fiber like straps, and like everybody thought like, oh, that's so sweet because like you can put it on your back, dude. Them hurt so <laughs> bad. <laughs> I had bruises. <laughs> I had such big bruises from those things. Oh my! And like you know the stuff that we used to do, you know, like we wouldn't even think about it, right? Like you just loaded, and plus like we filmed everything, so we had not only did we have the sixty pounds of metal on our back, but we also had camera gear. And then it was like, now we're running saddles. Like, yeah. and we, you know, like you said, Jared, like, yeah. there's no way I could go back. Oh, absolutely not. I would sit my butt on the ground before absolutely. I would, before I'd pack into one of those absolutely. big heavy stands. I mean, my camera gear, my camera gear weighs more than all of the saddle hunting stuff that I take out into the woods. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So 100%. I, I want to drop my camera gear so that I can just lighten up more. <laughs> yeah. <not anything>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in the day, those, uh, you know, those initial camera arms, man, they, they, they're, kind of, they're boat anchors. So, you know, dragging those, like you said, on top of all the other stands or sticks or whatever you had, it just really added up. So, and that was really my factor in going into saddle hunting. It was not so much the filming of it, but just, reducing the bulk and reducing the weight and just mm -hmm. getting it off me because i just it would just get me so irritated that it would distract me from my goal or take my attention away from you know the sign i'm trying to find or whatever so yep, yep it really yep. took all that away from me yeah cool cool all right so unless you guys want to talk or touch base on anything there 
I think that we should get into some hunting stories or just maybe some saddle stories on, you know, how saddle hunting has basically changed our hunting approach or style. And uh, if you guys want us to go first, I'm sure we can talk about something. Or if you guys have a good story to talk about, just kind of based on like how saddle hunting has made you a more, a more efficient hunter, we'll just go with that. So, I mean, I guess I'll piggyback on what I was just saying is, yeah. you know, really for me, saddle hunting was just reducing my stress and frustration when I'm going hunting, specifically on new areas, whether that's public or private, right? So, you know, back in the day, we all use climbers, we all use, you know, mobile walk-ons, whatever it was, but there's restrictions with that equipment. Um, you're going into a new property. If you're taking the time and the money to go out of state or even across the state, and you get to a property and heck, you can't find anywhere to set up with your equipment. It just drove you crazy and it drove me crazy. And I was just sick of it. So that's what kind of pushed me to get into saddle hunting because I didn't have to care about what trees are were there how i didn't get to care about how big the darn tree was i didn't have to care about is it vined out or or what's around me so it took all that stress away from me so i knew if i invested the time away from my family if i invested the money into it i could still get the hunt that i wanted no matter where i was whether it's big timber or farmland or marshland it doesn't matter i mean i've set up in a saddle four feet off the ground just to get above cattails in a marsh so I could have a viewpoint of a high spot where they bedded mm -hmm. so I could shoot them as they're trying to go up to that high spot. Like that's a great use of a saddle. I'm not 25 feet in the air, but it gets me high enough. Could I, as a 220 pound guy sit in a tree stand on a four inch tree in a marsh and kill something? Probably not, no. <laughs> but it was able to do it with a saddle. So it's just, instead of having to worry about the trees, I worried about the deer and it was great. Yeah. And I actually want to piggyback off of what you said because it's it's a perfect example of kind of what I was getting at. We went to Indiana last year kind of like on a public land challenge, I kind of want to call it. But uh, So there was this giant scrape on this kind of where you killed where, where you killed your buck. Yeah. So there was this giant scrape underneath like a, a fern tree, a pine tree, something. And it was on the edge of a cornfield. And what I'm getting at is just off of that was a bunch of undergrowth, like high stem count, and then one big tree. So, but above, let's let's say above like six foot, you were skylined. But if you stayed in that six foot mark, you were golden. So you know what I did? I hung my platform about eh, knee high on that tree. I didn't even take sticks. And I hung on the backside of that tree. And I just kind of parted some of the high stem count so I could shoot that scrape. Now, granted, that buck didn't come in for whatever reason, but like kind of what, what Nick was saying, you're never going to be able to do that in a hang-on. And I just I just laid back behind that tree and just hung behind that tree using that tree as a blocker. And then if that buck were to come out, all I got to do is lean a little bit to the side, draw my bow back, pink, and he's done. Yeah. It's like when I first started getting in, because like everybody, everybody, had the, the the doubt right like of saddle hunting it's like oh it's just a phase it's just a fad whatever but until you get your butt in a saddle mm -hmm. you know it's like just try it for real like your your opportunities go from let's say 50 to 80 yeah. you know like of what you can get into and i just i i will never go back yeah i mean you remember when we first started out like i was kind of against it like i really was uncertain about it because i was like 
you know, I didn't feel as comfortable. I thought at that point in time being in a stand where I'm, you know, I've got a seat to sit on. So I was pretty not against it, but I was just very, very uncertain about it until the first year. And I was using a drag at that point in time. That first year made an unbelievable change. I was like, I'll never go back. Mm -hmm. And then actually getting into an actual saddle. The only thing I got to worry about is if the tree will hold me, as long as it's not a twig, (laughs) and as long as my strap goes around it. That's my two limiting factors. And, I mean, it doesn't matter about vines, limbs, anything. It Really, that way I'm able to focus on the sign that I want to hunt. There, there's no limiting factors, like I said, besides a twig, mm-hmm. and as long as my sh- the strap will go around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no mm-hmm. joke. I know no it joke. allows me and Jarrett to get in more trees with uh, poison, poison ivy, ivy in it. Oh, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got into that this year in Kentucky. It yeah. was not good to me. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's where we got into. We it were too. discussing that Kentucky poison ivy is a total it's, different breed. It's of a poison different breed, ivy. yeah. <laughs> it is it may rough. Have been poison sumac. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was rough this year in Kentucky. I can tell you. You, you guys actually went to the ER. I right? well, I you did. were getting it in your face and your mouth. Yeah, I had it oh. really bad on my Ooh. insides of my arms, and then I must have slept funny and woke up one morning and it was around my lip. And then the next and, day, and then the next day it was on my cheek, and I was like, I I got to get this nipped before it really gets me. But oh, see, I don't so know. Bad. That might be worse because I had it on the arms and hands, but I didn't realize that at the time I had to use the bathroom. You know, oh, no. and, oh. uh, it got it got in spots that you really don't want. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was not the, good. Got in the old saddle areas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it was bad, but hopefully never again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm part of the lucky few that doesn't get poison ivy very easily. So my my dad actually is highly allergic to it. If he looks at it, he gets it. But for some reason, I can walk through that same patch and and I'm golden. So I don't want to jinx myself on that fact. But so far, I've been all right. Yeah. Lucky man. Lucky yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool. That might be the only thing I'm lucky about in the woods is not getting poison ivy usually. <laughs> yeah. Feel that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just thought of something cool um, maybe to kind of go off of. and It's not something originally we had in the notes, but if you guys are comfortable with it, why don't you – everybody's like there's gear junkies everywhere, right? Why don't you guys give us a gear breakdown of what you take to the tree from from your from your bag to your sticks, to your saddle platform. And let, also let's talk about like if you're running any aiders, if how high you like to hunt. Just yeah, give us give us a little rundown if you're comfortable with it. Sure, I'll let Roderick go first on this one. He's got okay. more gear than I do. Do I? <laughs> well, you got the camera. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, okay. So my basic like the saddle hunting gear itself is I'll usually just run three sticks where I'm at for the majority of the time where I'm hunting. You know, like you were saying about your little hunting story there is lower is almost better where I am. So around that 10 to 12 foot range works really well with the foliage and all the branches. Yep. I sometimes, if I really want to reach out, I'll use a single step aider. Um, but, and Weston could attest to this. I'm not super flexible. So if I need to get higher, I need the aider. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with that said, you know, I'm bringing, um, I usually run like a little, little uh paracord rope on the hip to carry the sticks up um my if it's not on my hip i'll put it on my saddle so when i'm climbing the tree i don't ever have to go 
reaching down for much of anything else from the ground other than my bow because i climb with my pack on yep so everything is pretty much right there uh after i get set up um i run the i I don't think they make the model i have anymore but for my camera arm it's one of the fourth arrow three swivel small pieces um i've i mean i don't know exactly how detailed we want to get with the the crannies of things no i I I think that's good yeah Okay. All right. I like it. Uh, myself, I typically run, you know, four sticks, and I do keep I keep single step aiders on two of those four sticks, but I keep two more aiders in my pack. Um, so, and the, the way we have with these easy aiders that we sell, um, it's just a nice little um, paracord slide, so it's really easy to put on the stick in the field if you need to, or take it off if you need to. I don't like anything fixed or sewn on because if you get to certain heights and you don't need that extra few inches, now you got to deal with an eight or dangling and it just gets dangerous. Yep. So I like to have the single step aiders on the sticks, but I, I try to be at 16 feet typically of what makes sense for a lot of the areas I'm in. But when I'm hunting hill country, it's just really difficult. I don't know if I need to be 22, 24 feet or if I need to be 12 feet. So that's why I keep the four sticks and I keep the aiders that I can either take off or put on as needed. It just really depends for me. And again, I try to hunt whatever the tree is by the sign I need it to be. I'm trying to hunt the thickest area of that, whether it's 10 or 24 or whatever it is. Um, So then I'll set a, I'll either take the wingman platform as my fourth stick, or I'll use the onyx, uh, typically on my plateau. And the reason I take the plateau for me is I never take it off. When I get to, nothing comes off my back when I get to the tree. When I get to the tree, oh, really? I have my retractable bow hoist in one of the pockets of the plateau. I put my bow down. I reach below me and I just unclip the four sticks from the bottom um, webbing on that backpack. I put two on the tree. I clip the other two to the waist of the plateau and I start climbing. So I never take anything off my back and the mm-hmm. platform's on my back the whole time. So as I get to hunting height, I just unclip the platform, put it on a tree. I'm done. So, like when as you're, far as what I, go ahead. Sorry. So I said, as far as what I put in the pack, you know, I got a, you know, a gear hanger like we all do up in the tree, you know, bow hook, water, Copenhagen to pass the yeah. time, and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, so when you're when you're set up, you're telling me that you leave your pack on your back. You don't take so it off. Once I get set up, I'll take it off. Oh, okay. but I mean, gotcha. I mean, when I get to the tree, I never have to actually yep. take it off my back, even to get the sticks off. Gotcha. So I just I walk up, put my bow down unclip the sticks and climb up. Uh, and then obviously once I get set, I'll have that pack, uh, and have a nice little, um, extending hanger, um, from innovating the outdoors that puts a hook all the way down. So my pack can stay about knee height on my Mm -hmm. offhand side. So it stays out of the way if I need to do that offhand shot. So that's the key item I have too. That's smart. That's smart. I don't know, Nick, it sounds like you got more stuff than I do. (laughs) Well, it's all really small. (laughs) It's all really small. (laughs) okay um you know i I really like the way this is going we got a couple other notes that you guys have anything before we go on i got a question for you guys yeah let's see i'm curious i'm curious about this uh when you climb down do you pack up your sticks while you're still in the tree or do you just drop them right down to the ground because i i I drop them right down to the ground (laughs) so go ahead black you can go first I don't know how these other guys do it, but uh, as long as I don't have any sticks underneath me, 
I'm just tossing them out as I go. Like, yep. I mean, I take my straps off, I roll them up, make them nice and neat, so I don't have to pack up uh, my actual straps at the bottom of the tree, and I don't get that noise. But no, that thing just gets yucked out of the tree <laughs> onto the ground, and, <laughs> and then I clean it up when I get to the bottom. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I'm a little bit different than the, maybe the rest of the guys. I only take two sticks with me, no matter what. I will actually run an aftermarket three-step aider um, by Backwoods Mobile Gear with a hook on it. So I'll actually hook onto the stick. I'll hang my first stick as high as I can reach. And honestly, that with two sticks and that aider, I can get like 12 to like 14 feet, depending on how I want to stretch or if I'm really feeling limber. So like as far as dropping the sticks, yeah, I run. I also run um, daisy chain, so I don't run the straps, but like, I have eight foot of daisy chain and most of the time I can actually lower the stick down and so it touches the ground and then I'll just drop it with the daisy chain. So I don't make a lot of noise. I don't yeet it like black does, but, <laughs> you know. but, uh, but yeah, I just, sends it to the next county. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. They're trying to fish them out of trees. It's, it's bad. I definitely don't pack them as I go down, but yeah, but that's me. I pretty much pack them as I go down. Uh, yeah. All right. But, I mean, every once in a while, when you're just fed up with whatever you're doing, they get <laughs> from time to time they'll get yeeted. <laughs> but I will say, nobody throws them like Black does. Not that a stressful year this past year. <laughs> I mean, he just unstraps and slaps. And he just <laughs> unstraps and slaps. That needs to be on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's wild, but I, uh, yeah, I kind of pack them as I go down. I don't like to make too much racket. Yeah, when somebody's filming me, yeah. they definitely have to look yeah. up, or, you know, because yeah. they're dodging If you get stuff. down first, you need to just step back a good <laughs> yeah. 10 foot. Step out of dodge because Black's chucking his sticks. <laughs> so I run three sticks, and when I get down on my first stick, I'll take my platform off, pack it in my pack, and then I'll actually go down and kind of like Jarrett, like I'll pack up my sticks, wrap the string around it, and then on each side of my saddle, I'll have like this little plastic clip with a piece of elastic. That's probably about, you know, like this. And I'll just put my big one step through there. So it's just hanging on my side. Then when I get down to the tree, I'll pack it up on my platform or my, on my backpack and be out of there. I like yeah. that way. I might have to try that. It's, it's, I go like, with the dangle method. <laughs> yeah. It really depends on the hunt. Like if it's in the evening and the hunt's over for good, uh, I'll probably just drop them. Uh, if I'm like tight in the bedding area and maybe it was a morning hunt and I want to get out of there quietly i'll probably dangle them if i'm close enough off the off my straps just like you said or pack them up and try to keep them tidy on my side it just it's more situational but i definitely prefer to just drop the suckers they're they're strong they're <laughs> yeah. not gonna break no. especially yeah. if there's snow on the, if there's snow on the ground they're going no. like, i don't <laughs> care what's happening yeah. i kind of always had the philosophy is like i wanted to try and get it down like the morning hunts try to get down the trees fast as i can go so i don't waste time just because like i don't like being in the woods without when it's hunting season without my yeah. bow ready you yeah. know what i mean yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's where i've gotten the bad habit of just kind of just sending it like you guys you know just <laughs> send it. now let me tell you oh i mean i, I want to ask a question there for you rob because i don't think we've discussed this so let's say oh. you're getting down from a tree and you don't like to be away from your bow if you drop mm -hmm. a stick and let's say it bounces i don't know four, five, six, seven feet away. Do you take your bow with you to get that stick? Yeah, usually. Or I'm still attached to it on my uh, my pull cord. 
So I just oh, drag yeah. it over to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'm a little bit hyper paranoid that way too. I've um, been hunting with enough buddies who stepped aside to relieve themselves, you know, just out of oh, arm's yeah. reach and had something yep. come through. And, um, that's that's burned my enough of my buddies that I'm taking that bow five feet with me. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter what I'm doing. And like I'm in a high density area too on top of it for deer. So I mean it's not uncommon to just have them moving all day long in our area. Mm-hmm. So that's always kind of been on the forefront. And then, you know, probably like the little bit of western hunting I've been doing, you always want to have like your gun on you yep. if you're in grizzly bear country. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So it kind of ties in with that too. It's just, yeah, whatever. You're nervous. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we want to be cautious of your guys' time. We have maybe a, one or two more questions, and then we'll kind of wrap this up. And then we also have a closing question that I did not prep you guys for, but I kind of wanted it to be that way. So right. um, why don't we talk about, is there anything that you're allowed to talk about? And if not, we can always cut this out of the podcast. But is there anything coming up in the near future that you guys maybe would be allowed to kind of share some light on? I will. So I'm going to, I'll share our philosophy. Let's go with that. Right. (laughs) So we are expanding basically every facet of our product line. So I'll say that. So we work really hard to create new products for everybody that genuinely push the limits as far as innovation um, in the industry. So again, we want to, we don't want to push it just to push it. We want to push it for a good reason. So a lot of the products that we design, they're not just, Oh, we finished this one this year. Let's make this one and have it ready Mm -hmm. in six and six months. It is two, sometimes more years in development and testing and all these things to make sure what we put out is what we want. And what we think everybody else would want. So I will say we're working really, really hard. All of us on the team, everyone gets input um, to create products to expand pretty much everything in our lineup in a way that I think is really going to be impressive for people. Cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I like exciting it. to hear I that. Like so like a little bit of nugget, a little nugget on there. I'm not going to give you everything, but yeah. I want to yeah. say that we're 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 always always working to push our limits and then push innovation in the industry. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I think if you want to wrap us up, yeah. Garrett or Kevin. Go okay. ahead. So the closing question is, um, what have you learned from hunting that you can apply to everyday life? Mm. And um, you guys can take your time with it because we can always, you know, edit a little yeah. bit of the podcast. But um, we want it to be a little bit deeper than just a simple answer. Excuse me, a simple answer. So if you need a couple seconds to think about it, please. But um, – yeah. Jeez. Uh, I actually kind of think about this most times I go hunting. Um, it kind of ties back into the, if it can go wrong, it will go wrong. But for me, what hunting has taught me is never give up. So that's in your career. That's in your family. That's, you know, things you might be teaching your kids that anything you could do, absolutely never give up, you know, your fitness, all of these things. Never give up because you don't know what's around that bend. You don't know what the next thing is coming is coming in your life. So, for me, throughout any hunting frustrations I may have had, you know, maybe I wake that alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, I'm just not feeling it. Never give up because you don't know. Maybe the buck of a lifetime is coming by you that day. So for me, hunting has taught me to never give up because something 
good will always come from that perseverance. You know, I love that answer because, you know, the, the, the famous saying is your worst season is just one encounter away from being your best season. Think about that, you know? And like, Mm -hmm. I, I really, I really appreciate that answer. And it really touches home because, you know, you, like I touched on a little bit earlier, you can have the worst season of your life. All it takes is one opportunity to turn into the best season of your life. Nobody remembers the failed encounters after the harvest. You know what I mean? You just remember the harvest. Mm -hmm. So I like that answer. Yeah. I would say mine's somewhat similar, but like it's just an appreciation for the little things in life in general too. Like I don't, I mean, as of the last decade, I haven't had a plethora of time to hunt. So like every time I was going out, I was just trying to find something I appreciated while I was out there. And that just kind of, continues to mold me day to day on trying to find oh like just like my daughter lost her tooth yesterday you know i'm like that's really cool you know but it's not a big deal to other people but for me it is mm-hmm. well when i'm out hunting and i see like a squirrel chatting with his other little buddy mm-hmm. like oh, that's cool how many people are going to see that squirrel chatting with his little buddy that's right yeah. you know it, i don't i don't like to go into stuff with like high expectations i like to go into something and just be open to appreciate everything about it, whether that's failure or it, it, it is success. And I think it probably does stem from just hunting in general, but I mean, we do all have to appreciate everything we got. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. True Absolutely. on that. Absolutely. Yep. It's good. I like it. Anything boys? Yeah, anything you guys got, you guys got anything else you would like to talk about? Yeah, yeah, I don't wear eyeliner for people that wonder. I don't wear eyeliner. <laughs> wow, those are times. so dark. <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Some people are just more beautiful than others. That's he it. really is the beauty of trophy line. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys well, do have a like model. <laughs> when people say they wake up like this, Robert really does wake up like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I got I got thick eyelashes, but I lost the stuff up top. So <laughs> oh, that's where it all went. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I just want to thank you guys for actually we we forgot one important thing. I want to thank you guys for coming on and um, donating your time for this podcast. And then why don't you guys give a shout out to Trophy Line on. Um, how any of our listeners or viewers can uh, reach out to you guys, uh, social media, where to buy your stuff, et cetera. Sure. So, you know, our, our website is, you know, trophyline.com. Uh, we're on all the popular social media, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, uh, always available on our uh, email. So info at trophyline.com. If you have any questions on saddle hunting, questions on the products, you want to talk to any of us or have any specific questions, always reach out there. Um, and my personally, I'm, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, so leave that there. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys are like on these social media sites and you're seeing a video that you think is just edited terribly, you can, you guys can yell at me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're, you're cranking out that fire. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap this up. We want to thank you guys for coming on. We really appreciate it. And like Matt said, your time's valuable. So we'll let you go then after this, but, uh, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, you can always be born again, and born again is out. Peace.